This is Bottom of the Bill. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Bottom of the Bill. We are super excited about this week's guest, but before we get to all that, we got to do our weekly check-in. What's been going on, Chris? Uh, Chilling. Went to the Jags game Monday. Uh, first Monday night football game since, like, 2012 or something like that really yeah we don't get a lot of good slots That's anymore because we are a, just a god-awful team yeah. <laughs> uh so we, we got to go and experience that whole madness the game was actually trash and they stomped out our quarterback which was you know that's pretty Jacksonville. Um, the highlight for me was hanging with a couple friends now. I can call them friends. Oh, you think so? Uh, I do. Uh, well, they wouldn't give you tickets to the show, though, right? Oh, no. Oh, you got tickets to the show? Backstage hangout oh, session. Yeah we're, yeah, we're buddies now, Let's man. Let's tell the people what you're talking about. Um, so I went with uh, Jeremy King and some of his family, and uh, we just pulled into the parking lot. And we're having a couple brews in the in the parking lot, wandering around. And like three cars down from us is Derek Trucks and Susan Tedeschi, just parked right over there. And um, I know a couple of their family members that come out to shows, and so I went and said hey, and saw all of them again. And I've I've met Susan before, so I caught up with her, and she introduced me to Derek. So that was my first time meeting Derek Trucks, and. Uh, no pressure yeah <laughs> you know what i mean no pressure on that one had to play it super cool had to talk to him like i hadn't tried to cop licks from him for the past 10 years yeah um but honestly like in the moment it was just very you know susan was like derek you gotta meet this guy i was like nope no here we go this is it and he just kind of walks over and we just start talking about guitars and gigs and uh talked about the amphitheater that he's booked and i told him we're doing the after party uh at dog rose on March 16th and he's like well cool y'all go set up early and then come over to the amp and hang out and then go to your show and I'm like yeah I would love to do that oh, we're yeah. definitely doing that uh so it was I mean and we we just tailgated with them for you know a couple hours and just hung out with their camp and their crew their whole entire family was there they've got a massive family here extended family in Jacksonville and they just had a tailgate so kind of beat the pants off the game that i went and saw who could care less about the football game yeah but uh, but, uh yeah you know that's that was uh, a little uh, surreal moment this week for sure yeah you know um it's funny because you texted me while you were there you're like stay by your phone because if we win there might be an after party uh, with Derek and Susan and they said they would invite my friends so I'll hit you up and I was alright so I went over to the Blue Jay Jam where Todd was in town Todd Smalley who uh-huh. plays bass with Mofro um, and used to play bass with Derek Trucks Band um, and also has been on the show before you can go check that episode out with him and Craig um, but uh, so he was at Blue Jay and so I show up and uh, Kevin Ramos is there KP is there Elon's there um, Christian Powers was there and, uh, there's a few other people just kind of in the circle. So we're all like h- hanging out and I told, I told them what was going on. And so for the rest of the night, other than when we were jamming, everyone's just like looking at their phones, checking the game and like, <laughs> and then it got to be like 1130 and I was like, guys, I don't really care what happens at this point i'm going home and then and then you hit me up we were like yeah we lost there's no after party yeah and like overtime at like one in the morning you know what i mean yeah um that like that was the that was the whole deal is like 
because I, I had mentioned, you know, I was like, have you seen Todd? He's in town doing all the MoFro stuff. He's playing tonight at Blue Jay. And they're like, oh, yeah, Derek's been talking to Todd, this and that. I'm like, so are there any hangs afterwards, like any post-celebration things? They're like, well, let's see if we win or lose first. And I'm like, all right, cool. So game started. We went our separate ways to watch the game, and we were parked right next to each other. So we go back out into the lot, and uh, they had cut loose during the game. So, like, they're all, you know, kind of with their camp, just kind of, like, mourning, but, you know, still partying and carrying it on a little bit. And so, like, I kind of walk by, and I was like, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty brutal. They're like, yeah, that one was painful. And we talked a little bit more, and they're like, like so, no, you guys aren't jamming. They're like, nah trevor lawrence got stomped out we need to mourn tonight <laughs> and i was like all right well it was worth a shot but uh the 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 um the highlight of my part of that we walk up and susan is just belting out in the parking lot you know just serenading anyone that's listening and walking by and we're just like all right the these people are like it's just football fans they don't know music they don't realize that a grammy winner is serenading their walk to their car drunkenly right. um and like I walked up and uh, I was just kind of like making a little joke referencing the game and I was just like quoting her tune hurt so bad. I was like, it hurt, it hurt. And like <laughs> I saw Derek's head whip around. He goes, oh, yeah, it's it's Chris. <laughs> That's He's like, too funny. Who is quoting this? Did no one know? It was fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, sorry to lead y'all on all night. It was uh it was hilarious, honestly. It made for good conversation. Oh, I bet it did. They're just like, who cares about the game Chris pulled through for yeah, us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were all just like literally looking at our phones. Like, yeah, anyone get a text yet? Anyone know what the, the, what the score is? And all the MoFro guys are like sitting there like on the on the breaks watching the game just because they're in yeah, the they, football. Yeah, they like the sport. They, yeah. They, can, they don't want to party and hang on a Monday. Yeah, they're like, I don't care. Derek's in town. We'll see him another time. I was going to be like, yeah, we are got a show lined up with him later. It's yeah. all good. Uh, it's just fun though that i texted you um because you had asked if i was going to the jam and i was like no i'll fill you in and i like kind of drunkenly half texted you and you kind of deciphered what it meant yeah i was like i don't know what you just said but i'm gonna guess it's an after party maybe you're like Derek, susan party and then a bunch of words that don't go dude you have like you are the worst texter next Um, you you and chelsea are the worst texters because chelsea does that that uh voice to text thing yeah which is just not accurate and i don't know what she's talking about half the time yeah and then you're just sloppy um i was that night for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like that I, night. this must be some fucking backwoods north carolina talk no it's i just can't my decipher this thumbs are real freaking big yeah. and uh <laughs> keyboards are real freaking small that's true and it's just bonk 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 and then autocrat gets involved and it's a, just a party that none of us were invited to <laughs> yeah. it's a problem <laughs> um but yeah i like that I texted you like, yeah, keep this, keep, uh, keep your phone by you. I'm going to keep you posted. And then now my friendship with seven dudes is on the line. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that's real cool. Uh, that's awesome. Thanks. I don't think anybody was expecting anything to happen. Everyone was just kind of like, it was just more of the, 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 the anticipation. Oh yeah. Of like, something. is this actually going to go down? No yeah. way. This is, this is crazy. It's a Monday night. Yeah. And yeah. I, don't, I don't know if it was that information that helped or not, but Everyone was playing really well that night. I would hope so. So, (laughs) Everyone comes in on their game for that one. But also Todd just being there was cool. He's he's got a great spirit. Yeah, I mean, he just amplifies all sorts of musicality coming out of you. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, he's awesome. He's super cool, man. And that was, you know, he's been on the show before, obviously. But like, 
it was just, it's you know different like when you're standing up there playing with somebody who you like came up listening to yeah and you're like oh shit like okay well we've had a con- we've talked before obviously and we've like hung out but when you're making music with somebody like that it's a whole different thing you're like damn this is like surreal as fuck yeah you know we, we did it backwards because when he was on the show he was a guest at that jam the night before uh, and i was out there playing with him and then we had the pod the next day so i was kind of just like listening to the conversation be like there's no way that we just did that and then you got to do the uh the opposite yeah the inverse of like yeah i sat on that conversation for a while and know the context of who he is on top of what you already know and then it's right like, oh wow that's wild yeah it was cool man um and kevin got up there and played little wing with uh with that dude dami hendrix uh-huh and he took a great solo man kevin took a great solo that's awesome bass is his voice man it's it's you know i do some duo gigs with him and he plays guitar and he started on guitar it's funny but like he is just at home on a bass yeah especially recently you know he's just finding his voice further and further as he yeah. goes it's uh it's really cool to be buddies with him and watch that go down yeah uh because i'll i'll like even on guitar like it's it's just the the language is getting developed more and more like you know, he's usually he usually feels expresses frustration after guitar solos, but every now and again I'll see him stumble into just this like really really killing thing, and he, I can just watch him be like, ah, I connected all the dots this time. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because it's all it's all in there, you know. So it's it's just fun to watch. It's cool to see your buddies like crack that code every now and then and yeah. just like bust it open, you know. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's cool. I got some stuff. I don't know if I can announce we'll, it yet. We'll get to but, it soon. Yeah, but I've got some stuff I'm working on with him right now that I'm excited about, um, and a few other people. So, um, the uh, the only the only other fun little tidbit and story of uh, of Monday uh, that I would love to share and just yeah. put him on blast a little bit more is uh, um, Mitch Fountain was also three <laughs> cars away from us. Yeah, and so when I saw Derek and Susan, I was like, "Hey, Mitch, come over here." And uh, I brought him over and, like, introduced him and everything because he's never met them. And we're all, you know, we come from the same cloth, musically speaking. So um, it was cool. Got to introduce my buddies to them and this and that. And then we went over and we were talking. And I was a little drunk. So I started maybe talking a little Stirring shit. Stirring up some shit. Uh, I might have been talking a little bit of shit. And I was like, man, Mitch, it's crazy that you're a better guitar player than him, dude. It's nuts. <laughs> and he was just like, Chris, shut the fuck up. And I'm like, dude, Spotify doesn't lie. Am I right? I don't know if you've noticed this and checked it out, but on top of Flip Turn always doing well, they're doing really well again. Yeah, and always. Uh, their their monthly streaming numbers right now is sitting at 1.9 million. Yeah, uh, that's a lot of streams per month. Yeah, and uh, Tedeschi Trucks is sitting around 500,000. So yeah. I'm like, dude, you are piping these guys, this and that. <laughs> and he was just like, dude, you have to stop saying that. Yeah, out what loud a right shit now. starter, dude. Oh, dude, it was great. I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. That's a lot more numbers. It's kind of four times as much as theirs. Actually, <laughs> it's a uh, pretty cool, dude. He goes. Chris, they've played, they sold out Red Rocks twice. We barely got an opening slot. Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. And of course, it, of course, jam bands are marketed differently in this yeah, and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, but I just, he was squirming. It was so That's fun. Funny. He was just squirming. He just met Derek Trucks and then he can't, it was great. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that was, that was a fun. That was a you fun stirring run. shit up, dude. Can't. Now they're never going to come on the podcast after that. They're never coming on the podcast, but somehow I'm the only one that keeps getting everyone to connect to them. So <laughs> it's kind of wild that everyone keeps saying that, but whatever. 
Um, all right. Well, speaking of uh, being on the podcast, yeah. you and Chelsea yeah. were on this week to promote the new Alchematic stuff. Surreal moment. Full circle. Yeah. It was, uh, it was a fun podcast, man, honestly. Yeah, I know. It was great. Um, you know, Chelsea's been watching these happen now for like three years, too. So, like, the hype she's built up, she's like, oh, my God, I got to go on the podcast now. This is like a whole thing. I know. And it was great. It was a lot of fun. Like, I mean, we got to really talk about how the record came about and what took so long and, like, what we learned about it and, you know. Just put all that, you know, get our behind the scenes out about the whole thing. It was really cool. Yeah, for and sure. And then our buddy Caleb filled in. He's I work with him every week. He's a he's a fun dude and and held it down for us. He's a good guy, man. I like Caleb. Yeah. He's fun too. Oh he, yeah, he Caleb's was... got a good sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, we, I, am thankful, but sometimes wish our Sundays were recorded because if I'm a problem, he's a problem it's... too. <laughs> Hashtag problems. Uh, well, I'm sure they'll find out in this episode. So, uh, guys, enjoy the episode. Like, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. We got uh, merchandise in the description. Make sure you check out Alchematic's new record as well. And uh, all the, v the content they've been putting out is great. And uh, let us know what you think. Enjoy. This is Bottom of the Bill. <laughs> Well, welcome, guys, to the podcast, The Long Awaited, with Chelsea and Chris. How's it feel, Chris, to be on the other side of the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The wall? <laughs> yeah, the other side of the wall, I guess. I don't think I like it. You don't? <laughs> oh, no. It's too, no, it's too, it's too early to tell, but. A lot of pressure. We've got our buddy Caleb over there filling in. Yes, sir. What's going on? Some of you might uh, remember him from. Uh, PK, I obviously have a hard time because every time I meet Caleb, I have to reintroduce myself. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you might remember him from the alley behind PK. Hey. <laughs> oh. What do you know about my alley? <laughs> um, Is it at a time or two? So what's been going on, guys? How's everything going? Everything's going. Yeah. We're going to have to look at each other to see who's going to. Is it your yeah. turn or my turn? <laughs> it's going well. We just put out the EP a little while back and had an EP show and just capitalizing off some momentum that we've been cooking up for the past two. Now we're just sustaining. <laughs> yeah. Sustaining, yeah. And now we're moving. How are you guys feeling about the release and, and everything that's led up to it and everything that's happened afterwards? I feel great. I'm glad it's over. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work, but we put everything we have into it, so. How long were you guys? I feel weird asking these questions I because know. I obviously know all of this already. <laughs> but like for those who don't know, you're doing great. Keep it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How long have you guys been working on this project for? And what what's what was kind of everything leading up to the release like? Well, we rebranded to Alchematic right before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. February, right? No, it was like March. We were doing yeah, right, 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 right. We're like, our new name's Alchematic. We're separating the cover band stuff from the original stuff. So, and then two days later, the world shut down. Yeah. So, um, we've been at it for a while and we've had to like pivot a lot. And after the pandemic, we kind of honed in on like working with good people and pulling in our resources to go full force with it. So, yeah, it was, I was thinking about it today. It's just like, wild how much evolved 
from that change, like that rebrand, into like where we're at sitting on this couch. Like, yeah, I mean, the members we've went through, the songs, how they've changed and arranged. Like, yeah, it's you know, thinking back on the whole thing, you're like, well, a pandemic hit, and then we made a record, and here we are. But if you like look at each stopping point, it's like we members changed on the record, like stuff evolved in the pro, like recording process. It was like way more than you realize over the course of, I mean, three years and change. Yeah. Well, tell us about some of the stops along the way. What was the first iteration of Alchematic? Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, it started off, um, you know, Chelsea and I, and then I we pulled in some UNF cats that I knew, um, John Medico and Jose Villapondo, two friends of the pod. Yeah. Um, and we played Porch Fest with them. Oh, yeah. That was 2018, because I just went through that footage. Yeah. So that was even before 2020. Some of the songs have, like, 10-year history. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, those guys kind of, you know, everyone that we've been around has kind of helped shape some of the music. So, like, playing with those guys kind of got it the first iteration of some of these tunes. And, you know, we changed players over the years. Some guys got busy. We rotated in and out of stuff. Um, Jack Miller and Sean Tillis were a part of it. And then uh, come COVID and the rebrand, that's when we linked up with Chris Castro and Jeremy Gray. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the core of the recording project. From there on out is where it kind of started to solidify with guys that we were using for the for the process. Um and like they were they i mean just phenomenal players um really motivated to like write music because there wasn't gigs to have there wasn't anything so once we got through like the beginning stages and we got to kind of the rebrand and where we wanted to go with the music it was like all right step one is find a studio so we started oh yeah looking around town for studios to use um and checked out a good bunch of them got a bunch of different quotes but um it might have been courtney and elon with koi boy that turned us on to uh friends of friends and brock um that's where we cut a lot of stuff like that's where our first sessions were and uh we just i i heard some of the stuff that he put out and loved it and was like this guy's got the vibe so we went in there cut drums and then uh, went and did bass at Jeremy's home space. Um, went to Eric Sullivan's studio, GHQ. Eric's uh, our boy from uh, UNF as well. Um, UNF stagehand crew. Yeah, I was gonna say the whole stagehand crew is <laughs> really playing a lot, even to the even to this day. Um, cut all the guitar and keys with Eric, and then we went back to. Brock and cut all the vocals. Also went through two keys players. We went through two the recording process. Two keys players. That was fun. We uh, <laughs> we had a we had a keys player show up to the session, with his keyboard tuned down, um, like oh, yeah. a good few semitones, not all the way a half step, but like oh no, they tuned down, and forgot they did it, and they ran the session, and they're like, yeah, everything's sounding really out of tune, and he kept being like, hey, I'm in tune, I'm in tune, and we're like. I mean, how are we all in tune? How are we out of tune on this record? Crazy. What do you mean, like, it was a, a like a keyboard or like an actual? It was a Nord. Keyboard, yeah. Yeah. So and, how, but how like does that move not down? Easy fix. Well, he had forgotten he had done it. 
Oh, and I there was there was a little about it. there was a little bit of gaslighting going on of like, no, nah, dude, I'm in. It's a keyboard. It's in tune. You know what I mean? This and that. And I'm like, well, we cut all this stuff and it's in tune with each other. How like and we tune before every take. Like, how are you? It seems like like that's just like I don't know how keyboards work, but I would imagine it's not a crazy obstacle to reset. So it seems like something you could just kind of check out real quick, Caleb. I feel like you should have a light that says you're <laughs> transposed currently. <laughs> but I don't even know if it's full transposed. I mean, it was like a quarter step between, say if it's an E, it's an E half yeah, flat. You I know, mean, I, they, they, that happens so much on like old records too. When you like try to go to like learn music and they're... And it's like somewhere in between, like like Last Dance of Mary Jane's a great example yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like somewhere in between A and B flat, mm -hmm. and you're just kind of like, and I I my only thing like the only thing I could think of is that they just tuned to whatever the like the the acoustic piano yeah was to was to because it's just easier to do that or it's a really weird display of like fuck you you're not learning my tune that yeah. easily yeah <laughs> i don't think i mean like it's someone was like i've got an idea they tuned up to whatever was the closest thing and yeah they just hit record and it probably ended up being the take and it makes so much sense in that context but like yeah. today when everything's done electronically it seems like like yeah it just it's just weird to me that somebody would have such an issue with checking to make it was it. so bizarre yeah. and like it was bizarre so like do we feel comfortable naming names no or? no <laughs> uh but you've played with him pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, so, um, um, so we ended up after that, um, I was playing in a Johnny Cash tribute and I had my buddy Andre was playing with me in that group. And I was like, Hey man, we got some stuff we need keys laid down for with our original project. And we sent him the music and he then started blowing me up about the sessions. Like he was so excited once he heard that stuff. Like he was like, dude, I would love to be part of this. And, he came over and rehearsed a few times. I think you met him at those rehearsals when I was like, meet Andre. He's going to play some of our stuff. And you're like, all right, and let's he's see. A DJ too. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, he's he's a great DJ. He's been on the pod. Um, yep. Uh, Satellite Frank in the house. Yeah, you um, guys ended up using some of his DJ yeah. skills, I right? mean, I've yeah. always wanted to implement scratching and hip-hop into our stuff, always. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, you got to scratch. So we wrote an intro for the whole set and we sampled me going alchematic out alchematic and we put yeah we put it kind of sounds it reminds me of like sissy strut but he scratches mm -hmm. over the whole thing but at our ep release he actually dj'd um before us and and in between all the bands and in between all the bands yeah. and it, it was just a good uh transition i mean and to go even just to expand on that it was so cool because he took whatever the last band was playing found exactly where to weave in i mean it was like it was like the whole night was dj'd in a sense that like he knew exactly how to flow in and out of it and just the raddest dj stuff like he i heard him do a mix up because i was running around i was busy all night i played with two groups that night and it's our big day so it was just like a lot happening and i remember like looking up and seeing andre up there and he had like was remixing steely dan's my old school and took those hits at the end and was like looping the hits and then like transitioned into something else and i just remember being like 
That is the coolest yeah. thing I've ever fucking heard. It's like the mark of a. It's like like noticing when someone's like an actual DJ versus Dude. somebody that just like presses the details. Play. It's in the details. A hundred percent. And his song choice was so perfect for the night. Like Andre, instantly became like home team family. Like from that session, like he came. He lives in Palm Coast, so he drove up for the session two days in a row. You're talking about the recording session? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the live show anymore. Right. Okay. Um, such a team player. Like, uh, loved the music, loved the vibe he was bringing in and everything. So he became home team pretty quick after those sessions. Yeah. Um, and then we cut guitar there as well. Eric um, Sullivan is a just, he's got to come on the pod sometime too. He's a great dude and a great hang, great engineer. Um, and then we cut all that stuff, went back to Friends of Friends right. and did all the vocal stuff. And Chelsea laid down all the lead vocals. Yeah, um, it was like an eight hour day. It was a long day. For and I think it was like two years ago. So we recorded. It, 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 there's a lot of parts, a lot of moving parts, yeah. a lot of studios, a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember that session going really well. Brock is a wizard, really yeah. a wizard. I mean, in terms of like engineering the session he was great like he was a great coach and like coaching stuff out of chelsea and i and like facilitating ideas like we got through all the lead vocal stuff and started working on harmony stuff and that's where kind of we had ideas what we wanted but nothing technical specked out it was like we had extra time in the day so he would you know encourage any and all ideas and i remember we came up with some really cool it was fanboy i was sitting there with a guitar and i was like try this this and this and Brock and Chelsea were both like, yeah, I can't really hear that. And I'm like, check it out. Like, yeah. let's uh, let's record three layers of it. And I'm then we so frustrated. We cut three layers of it. And both of them were just like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> um, little chord movements and stuff. So like that, that was a really cool session to see stuff evolve kind of in real time because we didn't have those parts down yet. Yeah. Um, That's and why it's important to go in like as prepared as you can be because then it really allows you to get more explorative when you're in there yeah. your ears can be open to new ideas if you don't have to go in there and like and like wait or, or if, you're, if you're not going in there and just like hashing out the parts that you should have already down right totally so yeah like chelsea was a machine like i you cut all your stuff in probably half the day maybe a little more than half we took like lunch and stuff like really nailed the parts um did like a, a few comfort takes of everything to have but um, got all that stuff in and got it with Brock. And then we had horn parts that we came up with. So I arranged a lot of those. And this was probably the hardest part of the record. Was, Shout out to John Ward for helping us with yeah, that. Yeah, John Ward was a massive support. Came over and, like, gave me pointers, like, put his ear on stuff. Like, he was super helpful. Another friend of the podcast. Yeah, on he's three times. <laughs> he's gonna get a little in honor plaque up yes. here in a in a bit. Little side note: the getting the scratch tracks and the horn parts before even going in, into the studio took forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like we spent so much time charting every single instrument out. Yeah. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize how much work goes into it. And then we recorded at three different studios. Three, yeah. four, three, four. <laughs> oh, and Chris's house. Yeah. And my house. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of layers. So many layers. Um, and when it was all done, like that, that stuff was the trickiest to do. But once it got done, we sent it off to Brock. Yeah. And he sent it back to us. And I, I remember being just floored the yeah. first time he sent it. I mean, like, 
I don't think we had any notes for him in terms of the mix. Like maybe we had like a couple little EQ things and stuff like that. But in terms of his instinct and what we sent him and what he gave it back, it was like, whoa, this dude has got some ears on him. And he, he even said he doesn't really do a lot of records like ours. Mm-hmm. So just to know that that's what he can do kind of with what he's given was wild. And um, we did all those mix sessions virtually because he then moved back to Chicago by then. Yeah. Um, so uh, once he got this to us, it was just a matter of getting all the release stuff finalized and get it out into the world, right. which was its own beast. Um, Chelsea really led point on a lot of that stuff, did a lot of research and like figured out the best way to, you know, get it in front of people, get it online. You know, how do you protect yourself how do you copyright yourself like did a ton of the f- research on that side not to mention just like the visual aesthetic of everything yeah all that that's the second half of it that, that was important for to me yeah um to have visuals for each song to have cool artwork to mm-hmm. collaborate with um artists that i respect and um it was great it was amazing to um align with those artists on that and i got to the weird thing is is um the the guy who did the single art was actually my old guitar player mm. um, in Miami, Moses, and I haven't talked to him in 10 years. And and he wanted to help. One of the songs was like his babies because um, for our song, Take Me, he, it was inspired, the hook was inspired by something he wrote 10 years ago. Mm. And I just had a sound recording of it. And I changed the melody a little bit, changed the words a little bit. We came up with a whole like murder mystery concept. And when he heard it, he was floored. He wanted to help us. So he did every single single art. And then Rosaria did the album art. And we, I went down to South Florida three or four times. And every single time uh, we added a little more. And uh, we, me and her built our relationship artistically over that and bonded over that. Um, and it was, it was just a great experience. And that's what I'm talking about. Like for me, my biggest value is just working with good people, like people that I actually like. Yeah. We had a couple bad eggs in there and that's why that's my biggest value now is just like, cause you could work with other people and just get different results and, and not go as far. Well, it's, it's hard when you're working with people that don't care about yeah. the end result in the way that you do. And you know, when you have the, and you're naturally going to have that experience if you go into an endeavor like this, but then eventually after going through the process of working with people that might not care so much, you'll find people that can see the vision and they can get on board with it and that are talented in their own right and will, can, you know, lend their skills or, you know, whatever you figure stuff out. But like, I think that you just, you find those people along the way and it means it goes a long way, you know, and it, uh, and it shows in yeah. you know the outcome of what you guys have have uh, put yeah. out, you know, right. that you've worked with people that you that you value and respect, and you know, that obviously saw the vision that you guys saw. Right. Yeah, and build relationships with because like everyone that was on this process, I would use again. You know, like I that I wouldn't change anything of the process. It took a long time, but like how much we've learned and how much we grew through it you know what i mean um like as artists as people all that stuff like i it really i think it turned out how it should have you know for that reason you know like um we got a great crew around us and like we got something that we can put our stamp on and like hang our hat on you know we didn't rush through it yeah we didn't like cut any corners 
takes a long time, but the more like the more people I talk to, it's like it's almost a fluke if it doesn't take at least a while. It's different for everybody and how they work and like what else is going on in life and stuff, but you know, the more people I talk to, they're like, yeah, these songs were written 2 years ago and we started recording them a year after that and it just, you know, we were talking to Ariel Posey and he said the same thing. He was like, yeah, I'm sitting on songs from five six years ago you know it's just like yeah you know so it made me feel better about the process it's just like all right cool like take the time put the quality into it and when it's ready it'll come out like you know it's going to come out that's the end goal and there's no reason to rush it it's like what just put out what you're envisioning yeah take your time with everything yeah it's also hard when you don't have like label support you know you're doing everything yourself you're funding it's just you have to sometimes get creative you have to take a you have to take a detour and get creative with how you raise money yeah so then that becomes the focus and then you can re once you've acquired money or whatever whatever resource it is that you need you can then refocus your energy on on the thing yeah but sometimes it just takes you know you have to take these like when when the other when the other stuff isn't provided for you yeah. um you know you have to take these detours shout out to everyone that played cover gigs with us because we didn't see tips for the past seven or eight years yeah. Oh, yeah, but that was that was just you know one of the deals is like hey, if you're on the gig, this is what the gig pays. This money is like not we got, everyone we, loved that, but it's all right. It's okay. Well, that's, we call we called the people that did because like it's all part of seeing the vision. You know, like even even playing the cover gigs, it's like yeah, it's a means to an end so we can do this thing. And like if you're on board with that, with that sick, you know, like it's not like Chelsea or I are seeing that money either in our pockets. Like we're all making the same thing at the end of the day and then yeah. we, and then we were taking some of the pay and putting it in the band fund as well yep so like some gigs we only got paid 50 bucks you know when we should have been making 150 or whatever yeah because all that stuff adds up you know um studios ain't cheap uh art's not cheap video oh, yeah. <laughs> none of it's <laughs> did, you, of, did you know that nothing's cheap <laughs> yeah <laughs> especially in this world you know i mean yeah. like and it's fair and it's fine because artists deserve to get paid for their work and especially in an industry that undervalues artists so consistently so when you work with people and they want to charge you top dollar if you know the quality is going to be there and the 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 passion is going to be there then it's then it's just worth it you know and they they've earned it honestly that's that's what it boils down to totally which speaking of quality art and video uh the the no more video yeah, was the crown, great. kind of the crown jewel of the project. It turned out, yeah. you know. Yeah, shout out to Miles for that. Miles Dante, and shout out to Chelsea on that too. Like I, I've told everyone like my vision was really on the musical side of it. Like I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted to see out of certain things and like how to support her vocals and and lyrics and stuff. And when it came to videos, I just that is not my medium. You know, not my realm. <laughs> you know, so. Once she got the ball rolling, and once we did got there, it was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa, yeah. this was awesome. I mean, for me though, like, what's the word? I'm like a, a, a pluralist. Is that a word? Yeah. Um, just putting out music's not gonna. I'm not gonna be content with that. I need to express myself in every way. So, um, and I have a very cinematic mind. So when I write a song i have the video the concept i have everything in my head the artwork i want to like uh connect disciplines and have dancing and live art and do it all and it just was wild to me how how it all aligned and how we actually pulled it off yeah um so if you guys didn't know this me chris and caleb are stagehands at unf 
and um, we were able to use the UNF theater. Shout out to Misty and Andrew. Yeah. Another, they're a part of our team too. They're freaking visionaries at uh, lighting design and sound and all that. Mm-hmm. And um, and then our friend Chris Kidman did the backdrop. He's a graffiti artist that works with us as well. And I wanted graffiti in the video. Initially, I wanted him to be doing a piece or something, but we found an old backdrop and uh, we used pipe and drape and hung it up. And, and then I just went through the backdrop to the stage. Um, and I also thought it was wild that people listened to every crazy idea I had, yeah. because sometimes I, I get so excited that it's hard for me to articulate what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I sound like a turkey. I'm like, because I get excited. Yeah. But uh, everyone listened to me and took me seriously. And Miles knew exactly what I was going for. He showed me this band, uh, Jungle Forever. Forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, all their, they're kind of like the Bee Gees, but all their videos have uh, dance concepts in them. And he just knew exactly what I liked. And um, so, yeah, it turned out great. That I was, was exhausted that day, but it was a. I was gonna say that was one of the coolest days of the entire process yeah. too, because like we, we came to UNF because we knew there was a loose vision of like right. start somewhere and end somewhere. Like we wanted to end up on the stage, but there was a loose idea of like maybe start outside, maybe come inside. Yeah, it was. We all kind of did on the fly. But once we got into the room together, we started looking at like what was there and what was around us and what we could do. And I mean, it was just explosive creativity. Like Chelsea's like, all right, here's the main idea. Then Miles would be like, all right, well, this is what I can do with the camera. I can do this and that. And I was like, well, what if you bring this idea in and, you know, would throw something out here and then they would take that and run with it. So like the vision, like what you see came from like maybe four or five hours of just like walking around and being in it, doing little dummy shoots and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And like even talking through it, I'm like, okay, I could start to see this. This is cool. And then we came to shooting it, and shooting it was a blast. We got a lot of our friends on the session, and Miles is, you know, we've worked with him a ton. He's a pro to work with, like, makes it super easy and fun. And then I was starting to see those, like, little clips he was showing us, and I'm like, all right, Miles, that looks pretty good. And then that one breakthrough shot through the graffiti onto the stage, I'm like, oh, man, that was was something, man. So, yeah, I was, I mean, that really did become kind of the crown jewel of the project, like the singles – you know, I, I love how it turned out and what we did with it. And people responded to it like they checked it out. And it's just one of those things you put out, you know, something you could believe in and you think is quality and it resonates. Like a lot of right. people who we know who have known us and we work have been working on this, they saw it and were like, Whoa, I didn't know that's what you guys were doing. Yeah, I can't tell you. I didn't know it was going to be a whole production. I'm like, get used to this. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and been like, Oh, I didn't know Chelsea dance dance. Like they saw that video and they were like, they, I mean, I've gotten that comment multiple times. They're like, Oh, we thought she'd like do the singer thing. And she'd be like, kind of la di da. And they were like, they saw that. were like, Oh, she put some reps in on, on that. Like yeah. they really did bring kind of all your disciplines together. Cause you know, you, you, I don't even know if you've said it yet. You, you know, you started in that world. Well, so. that's what I wanted to ask. I wanted to go back a little bit and, you mentioned the DJing stuff, and then you mentioned the graffiti art and the dancing side. So what, you want to give people a little bit of insight into your background and where the desire to have those things involved in your current project comes from? Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I'm from South Florida, and when I was younger, I was heavily involved in the hip-hop scene down there, um, in Miami especially. And... Um, 
I was just obsessed with the four elements of hip hop, graffiti, breaking, DJing and MCing. And uh, when I lived down there, I went to FIU and we were training down there. Uh, we were training breaking. And I met this guy named Rock Soul. Shout out to Rock Soul Miami. And he was an MC and he also uh, was a B-boy. And he kind of took me under his wing and because I told him I was a singer and he really showed me like how to write and how to just believe in myself. And I joined their band, Alpha Q, which was a rock hip hop band. Um, but I always knew I wanted to sing. I was just very, very shy. Even in the hip hop world, I was very shy. I was only um, expressive around people that I was comfortable around, my friends and stuff like that. But most of the time I just sit in the corner and, and just watch and observe. But I would watch what kind of songs got people hype and like how they would dance to it. And a lot of people think that it's all like rap, but a lot of the music that people dance to at jams and whatever is like James Brown and Funk and Soul and Sharon Jones. And so I just started like coming up with playlists and back then burning CDs and um, learning like B-boy songs. And I always knew from back then that I wanted to create music to have people dancing. And I just fell in love with funk and soul and went down the rabbit hole with that. So, um, and I have a lot of friends that that are, you know, DJs and graffiti artists. And, and I used to, I mean, I was, I used to bomb when I was younger, like on the, on the city bus and, you know, go tag a, some trains. And so I've always been uh, like intertwined in that world. So, but there's only so far you could go as a vocalist in the hip hop world. Like I'm not a rapper. I love rap. I love conscious rap. I love, you know, classic hip hop. <clears throat> I'm always going to love it. It kept me out of a lot of trouble, honestly. And it got me into a lot of trouble, but <laughs> we won't go there. Um, but so that is when I mentioned Andre, ow, your fucking tail. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's a strong girl. Uh, <laughs> that would be our dog, Melody. This is Melody, the, the, the boss bitch of the night. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know what I was saying, but that's how I got. That's why I always want to incorporate hip hop and live art and all that stuff. Graffiti, because I want to like be authentic to who I am. I don't want to lose that, even though I'm in a different world now you know, experimenting with different genres and being in the jam band scene and all that stuff. I don't want to lose that. So, of course, people haven't seen that. People that haven't lived in South Florida and lived that life won't ever understand. Um, but I want to show them, you know, it, it's who I am. It, it, those are my formative years. Yeah. So. And then a lot of people know your background, Chris, uh, as far as like coming. Well, why don't you give some, some insight? Yeah, I. I mean, I I came from the backwoods uh, in the country. <laughs> Total opposite, guys. Yeah, yeah a very, very uh, what is it? Uh, Beverly Hillbillies esque <laughs> upbringing. Yeah, uh, coming to Jacksonville, I'll never forget running into you guys and was like, it's "So cool! I moved to the big city, and you guys moved." We're like, "Yeah, it's cool to move to like a suburb town. Oh, like this yeah. is really sick." Uh, but I always, you know, I was really adept musically and I started band in like sixth grade and picked up guitar around the same time and had a knack for it and always wanted to play music and kind of always heard from pretty much everyone up around that area like that's not really something people do because they're like up there there's not like a gigging scene there's not you just don't really know people that do that there's people that do it but that's not what people do you know like that's what they do and um so the further along that I got, 
my folks were always super supportive. Like I, I figured I wanted to do music school. They're like, yeah, go for it. But even still, they're like, maybe you could be like a music lawyer, or a music teacher. You could do this and that. And the further along I got through UNF and everything, like the playing is always what's like kind of been the main thing and has always taken off. So like musically, it's always been about like the performance of the playing and like where that can kind of take you. Um, and so I've been, a, I've been a side guy for a lot of stuff. I've been kind of in a supporting role for a lot of stuff, but with this group, it's like I get a voice musically, which is where my voice is anyway, like through my instrument, but just also through arranging and like stuff like that. I've always kind of had a bit of a knack for it where like maybe dancing or lyrics or melodies or the, or the thing that comes easy to some people. It was just like harmony and arrangement and stuff like that is just what comes. So like it was cool to like find someone who had such like, you know, a, a idea of lyrics and vision and like kind of needed the rest of it, which is the thing it's I did. Perfect have. hair. Yeah. Exactly. It's, you know, some yin and yang stuff. So I was like, so like with this, it was like, all right, cool. I fit that role and like have really developed it over the years, like through other groups and stuff like that. That's kind of given me the knowledge I need to bring back to this thing. You know, there's been a lot of training grounds and stuff. So, I mean, it's all the background and the upbringing has all been like very, kind of music driven i don't know i'm a bit of a musicologist like i i love finding stuff to listen to like i i just am always looking for the next cool thing and that can come in pretty much any shape or form so like influences are all over the table i um started like my dad had a bunch of classic rock and stuff and he was you know like they're not my folks are not the biggest music fans but like my mom, you know, liked good music, like top 40 stuff and what was on the radio. And my dad was big on like Green Day and Guns N' Roses and Steely Dan. So like found some of these early influences. Um, and then my buddy Alex Baum and I would grow up and play guitar pretty frequently. And he got me hip to like blues and R&B and soul. And then off that, my buddy uh, Will Phillips showed me like he got me introduced to Bela Fleck and the Flecktones and that like blew everything open i was like oh man bluegrass jazz fusion that's <laughs> never heard anything like that yeah and so that kind of showed me what could be done and then from there like uh unf showed me all kinds of music like james hogan got me turned on to every guitar player there ever was and just sent me down all these different rabbit holes and that kind of sparked you know musical interest and influence in in basically everything so like that with some of these tunes that we write, it's like they could go anywhere because that's because they can go anywhere. You know what I mean? Um, some of them have evolved like a lot. Uh, there was the take me tune started as a country tune essentially and ended up in this funky place. Yeah. I think it's a big improvement from what it was. originally. Yeah. So much. So what I like the original version too, where it almost had like, you're saying like a country, almost like folky, like a, almost a swing. Yeah. You know? And then you guys turn into like this kind of like funkier soul. Yeah. I think cause it's got more of a groove to it now. Yeah. And I think like there's this mutual love for groove cause you can dance to groove and you can funk out to groove as a musician, but you can also add so many things on top of a groove, some complexity and stuff. But if the groove's there, people are dancing. So it's kind of this, 
it's it's not snarky puppy it's not jazz it's not anything like that but michael league had this thing that he said it's like about connecting the brain and the booty and i took took that to heart because it's like yeah you can do you can do both at the same time you know what i mean if people are moving and they're dancing they're having a great time you can also hit this whole crowd of people that are like you know they don't they don't express that way like you and i are not dance floor guys (laughs) you know usually speaking but we can appreciate some great music. Simple, complex, whatever. If it's good, it's good. I've seen you on the dance floor. Don't talk about <laughs> me when I've had my beers, guys. That's not cool. That's when Chris comes meet me in the alley. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we brought him in, folks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This is yeah, good. Nothing like PK at 2 in the morning with Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> he takes good care of you, though. He takes you to Wawa afterwards. Nice. It's a really good time. <laughs> I still haven't fully hopped on board the Wawa train. I'm a Wawa Really? Girl. Wawa is... Fuck Bucky's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was a good unpopular opinion. It's a really oh, good... damn un- it. It's, it's a good one. I've been... I found some love for Bucky's Wawa, though. Caleb's kept the Wawa in St. Augustine supported <laughs> and alive Pretty for, much. for years. I mean, I didn't know that it's... So you work there how often? Two or three nights a week? Two or... Two or three nights a week. At Wawa or PK? In St. Augustine. In in St. Augustine. At PK. Prohibition. (laughs) So we had a couple gigs back to back down there, and the rendezvous was always Wawa on the way home. Every time. And he has an order that he always puts in. He got me so hip to it. He's got the app. He keeps Wawa going. I have the app, too. The app's great. You get free I've, stuff I've been cutting back recently. Oh. I've been needing to, but... Yeah, <laughs> I remember the first time I heard about Wawa was before they opened up in Florida. They were just like a northeast kind of thing. Uh, or like an east coast kind of thing. And then it was when I was on tour with Rock and Jake... And he made this whole big thing about Wawa being the greatest place. And we walked in there and I was like, dude, it's a gas station with a deli. What's the big deal? And like, it's evolved more since then. I think it's like better now. Yeah. But like, I don't really care for the whole like gas station experience oh my gosh what are you like talking about man and Wawa. taquitos from 7-eleven <laughs> look okay. man you can't lie right. to us. look man look right. man um you can get it delivered to your pump when you're pumping gas if you have the app oh really yeah it's so fun. wild it's a little little and they treat have cuban coffee they have colada cordito all that so you guys come from a city so that's why you don't appreciate gas station culture because <laughs> you guys have been to my house it's the closest city is 30 minutes away. Yeah. The closest thing to it's a gas station, which is 10 minutes away. Yeah. So when the closest thing to your backwoods home is a gas station, you you just go there to get out of the house. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Your so big you, outing. It's yeah. the big outing. And they don't have them down here. But the best gas stations are Sheets. Sheets. You've been to a Sheets? Is that like a truck so. driver? It's kind of like a Wawa, but better. Unless you went to one... Up when we went up to your house, we probably house. passed by one. I don't know that one that had a whole deli in it. I can't remember which. It, maybe we did stop at one. I don't know. It's Wawa, but the but oh, we did. It was like uh, it, it was, it was the high. It was like off an exit, like by Charlotte, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and it was like uh, they had like a coffee shop and like mm-hmm. it was like a whole thing. The restaurant. It's it's like what Wawa has, but. It, more options. I think the food's a little better. It's no Bucky's, uh, but Bucky's does have the best food. I will it's say. It's like a cult, though. Here's like... the thing. I, it is like a cult, and we went. We stopped again recently. Uh, I did a gig in Orlando, and the band stopped and went in one because two of the guys had never been in one, and 
the look of amazement they had. I've never been with someone up until then who had been to a Bucky's for the first time in their life, but the look on their faces when they walked in, it was Kevin Ramos. He had never been to Bucky's. <laughs> he walked in and was just like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. This is the whitest place I've ever been in my yeah, life. <laughs> he, he probably felt like a fish out of water. Oh, dude. Is, yeah. But he quickly grew legs and started walking around. It was pretty impressive. Yeah. He was like, jerky, brisket. He smelled like real leather like uh, stuff there, too. Yeah. yeah. And we were lucky enough to visit when Bucky himself was there. Oh, really? Yeah. So we got some pictures with Bucky. Oh, um, my God, dude. It's starting to win me over, man. Like, uh, it's like Disney World for white trash. It is, but like Craig made a great point. He was driving back after that Orlando gig. He stopped both on the way there and back from the gig. <laughs> oh and I'll speak on his behalf. He texted us at two in the morning. And was like, guys, this is the best steak burrito I've ever had in my life. It is. It is good food. Like better food than most gas stations. Maybe well, I and have if you try it, because I well, it, yeah. it's like for having a strong opinion. Think about it in context. If it's two in the morning and you got to stop somewhere and use the bathroom, get a bite to eat. You go in, the bathrooms are spotless, the food is fresh and hot at two or three or four in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it's I mean? Solid. The uh it's for what you can get. You know what I mean? While even, you know, Waffle House is open, but you gotta stop and do the whole thing. Yeah. Taco Bell's closed, long closed McDonald's, the twenty four hours are gone, you know, like But then yeah. when you see like a whole bachelorette party wearing Bucky swimsuits, like <laughs> you're like, You guys think you're cute, but and do you think that's funny? But <laughs> it's, it's not, not cute. <laughs> it's not funny. Y'all are all the same. You're not being different. You yeah. Know? It's like not. Everyone's like, everyone claiming Buck. It's like, you hear so many people saying that. Yeah. And I just think they're just regurgitating what everyone else says. You yeah, know? it's a trend. The whole, sure. the repping it is the weird part. It's like, you wouldn't rep Walmart. Bucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you wouldn't put on that's, a Walmart ad. That's like why it's so brilliant because they've somehow like branded yeah. like this gas station. Yeah. And they've done it. Th I don't, I mean, they just do, first off, they pay their employees well. Yeah. Uh, everyone that works there has a great attitude for the most part. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they, they, they have like the, the gift shop where everything is, but it's not like a loves or, or something like that. Oh, where it's totally like, where you're in danger when you walk inside. Well, I like, I like loves depending on, on where, on where they're at. Uh -huh. But like the, the merchandise that they have is not specific to loves. It's like, it's specific to whatever state or city that yeah. you're in. Yeah. Where it's like Bucky's is no, you're gonna buy stuff here like souvenirs but you're gonna buy bucky's souvenirs. yeah get bucked you're getting bucky's yeah get <laughs> yeah you're getting bucked another <laughs> which has a whole different context <laughs> <than I was laughs> <throwing. laughs> that shit <laughs> what does that mean to you brother but pride uh so the other thing too about bucky's is you go into the bathrooms it's all local art that you can buy oh, really? from local artists, uh, original stuff. That's the coolest oh. thing you said. Are we still on Bucky's right now? I'm still. <laughs> Dude, we're never getting, uh, we talked about the record. It's out. You can stream it on all platforms. <laughs> Check out our social medias at Alchematic Band. Now let's talk about this Bucky. <laughs> no, um, anyway. Uh, this is this is a first for the pod, by the way. My producer hat is kicking in, and I just can't not bring this up. You're the first person to find the button the bring the kicks the feet out well not guys this, i bought this couch though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this uh, is just a little fun fact this is out of all the episodes you're the first one to do it i just think that should be acknowledged yeah, that's pretty used, cool this used to be in our living room in our old house yeah. in uh riverside which is the dopest apartment we ever had yeah <laughs> that's pretty sick you can check out episodes 
a hundred one ninety eight through one hundred and fifteen. There, <laughs> if you want, if you is that the exact episodes. I think so. Oh my god, that's so <laughs> Chris it's, is it's, doing his job. It's not. I don't freaking know. Go, go check. Oh, no, it. Go check him out. It's pretty close. It's, it's in close. that. It's, close. it's in that range. Low nineties. That's what I'm saying. I'm, sp- I'm spitballing there, but it's yeah. about give or takes. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Dylan Adams episode solo. Go. Oh, ch- there's solo, some great episodes yeah. in there. You got to go check out the apartment. Yeah. Studio. Yeah, that was that was the place. Not the studio apartment. The apartment studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, it was a dope place. Um, so, what's the uh, the plan now? With, with as far as a record is concerned, are you guys going to try and do some traveling on it, or mostly just try and do local stuff? What's what's the game plan? Yeah, keep it keep it rolling. Like it's so it, it took so long to get this momentum up to here, and there's still a great crew around us. Like um, we found Kevin Ramos; he's been a part of it. Andre's been uh, still involved. So we've got some stuff that we wrote over the years that it'd be great if that came out at some point and it's still very much in the demo stages so so many songs though. yeah a lot and we've got you know it's a fun part we've you know we've got people that we trust now to collaborate with and you know expand these ideas on a little bit so super excited to see where that's going to go and then yeah playing live we'd love to get around florida and the southeast a little bit we're talking uh, about maybe doing a florida run in april yeah um, um with sean faffman who has also played with us who's a great guy yeah. Um, so. And he's got his music that he's been putting out. He's been on the pod. Everyone's yeah. been on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, he's he showed me some stuff he's working on. Some kind of it's really similar to the stuff we've been working on. Like, um, super hip, funky stuff. Like he's a, you know, southern guy and loves his meters influence and Louisiana stuff. And it's got great um, vocals that he's he's been cooking up. So. Just finding people that have kind of like-minded interest in putting music and shows on, you know. Um, if there's cool opportunities that come through that fits what we do and what we kind of vibe with and believe in, we'll try and hop on those. But, um, you know, at this point, the music's out, and it, you know, we, we'd like to think that it speaks for itself and what we do and what we believe in. So there's maybe it's a little easier to, to knock on doors and show people what we're about. And, uh, yeah, just keep bringing it to people Please. and keep writing and being creative and getting the word out we still have like a lot more visuals coming with this album as well like lyric videos mm-hmm. we have footage from the ep show um so like i said earlier sustaining yeah, yeah. but while we're doing that uh doctor some of these songs that we wrote because during the pandemic me and chris there's one day i i wrote like three songs in one day four songs in one day yeah we got that was we really got to like channel our writing um, so, totally. we, so, and like I said earlier, I have concepts, so I definitely want to have visuals, definitely want to, um, collaborate with different types of artists on all levels, um, and do more visuals and yeah. So what do you think, obviously the fun part of, of being in a band and putting music out is the creative part, even though it can be difficult, yeah. but like the, the most rewarding part is obviously like the writing and the and just you know coming up with ideas and stuff what is what uh, this whole process um from the inception and the writing to the release of the music what's been do you think the hardest obstacle to overcome Hmm. i mean there was i think learning how to do it was the biggest obstacle because like you don't know until you get in there and do it yeah you don't and know, that was you like no type thing yeah and there, that was almost it was, it's almost like a little paralyzing in a sense that you like 
there's so many options out there in this day and age. It's like, which one's the right one? Which one's this? Which one's that? And it's like so many ways to go. There were so many points along the way where it was like, all right, do we go option A, B, and C? And that can almost paralyze you a little bit until you kind of get in there and get a feel for it and go, oh, that okay, I you kind of get it now. So like right. it's the process itself was maybe the hardest part, which is a weird thing to say, but it's like I think, I think the is. business aspect of the process is what he's saying. So there's like no rule book or anything. Yeah, I have sure. so many indie musician books, but they change every year. Yeah. And there's no and then like some books say, oh, uh, spend money and try to get on people's playlists. And then when like they tell you to spend money and you talk to people, you, you get a weird vibe and you go with your intuition. You're like, I'm not spending money to get on a playlist. And mm-hmm. some people are like, don't do that. There's just no rules. It's hard to check the sources. You could talk to people that are doing it. Um, you know, I think it's just trial and error. Yeah. And sometimes I think the biggest fear was to put something out and it just flop. Um, but you just got to keep going and be consistent with it, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I think navigation through the business aspect of it is the hardest um and then using your gut you just have to use your intuition and because there's some things that some of my friends have used that are artists some tactics that i don't feel right about doing about getting followers and we all know people who have bought followers Mm -hmm. and initially if someone looks at it they're like damn they got 15k followers i'd rather have 2000 authentic followers and have people actually engage with what we're doing and actually believe in us you know yeah well there's and there's also easy especially especially nowadays where everybody you know including talent buyers promoters agents managers all the industry people know what it all looks like so they look at somebody that has 50k followers and they're seeing engagement of you know one percent on on people's posts and so you know something's not right right and it's a turnoff to people yeah the streaming side's a little bit more difficult because it's hard to to know what's real and what's not as far as bots go numbers are just numbers and you can you can look at the data and see where it's all coming from but it's really difficult to know what's authentic and what's right. not authentic yeah and you know and those numbers are like you know j- just getting Really more getting on the playlist and stuff seems to be the way to go. But then it's like, do you pay somebody right. to get onto a playlist or do you just start reaching out to independent playlist curators and mm-hmm. getting on playlists like that? Like there's all these different ways, but that's super time consuming. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's the same thing as like trying to, it's the same process as trying to book gigs where you have to, to reach say. out and you send them the whole spiel and hopefully they get back to you. If they don't, you got to follow up and then you got to, and then you know, and it sounds to people that are that are probably listening that are that are like that doesn't sound like a whole lot to do. It's just it's one thing after another. It's just it's a bunch of little things after mm-hmm. a little thing that you have to yeah. not only be doing but keep but like keep tabs on too. Right. If you got if you got a hundred emails out to people, you got to remember who didn't get back to you and who did, yeah. and then make those follow ups, and then and that's just on on you know getting your music heard. Then it's about creating content and then putting out content on TikTok. And Instagram and that's about you know consistently putting it out like timelining you yeah. know so organizing all the stuff how it's gonna look and then you have like you know your 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 PR side do you want to get on the podcast you want to get on radio shows do you want to spend money getting on a music blog yeah you have to also people hitting you up you have to see if they're like legit or not right I, I personally don't think that it's all about numbers and streams I know that a lot of people like emphasize that I think it's about building a music career for the long haul and for the long term and i don't think a lot of people look at that they're just trying to 
like create clickbait or like do something that's in a fad right now. But yeah, that's trying not, to hop on trend. That's not like yeah. timeless music. And I think honestly, like me and him obviously are like pretty much opposites. But I think the reason why we work so well together is because from the beginning, I know he's worked with other singers and I worked with other, other guitar players trying to get something off the ground. But from the beginning, he was about his shit and I was about my shit. And we both want to be old and gray on stage doing the shit forever. Yeah. You know, we, we are like very committed to living creative lives and fulfilling that every single day so um regardless that he's from the backwoods and i'm from the hip-hop scene <laughs> like it, it works and uh we made a commitment to do this together no matter what comes out no matter that's why we're kind of genreless that's why we have so many different influences because we decipher and we pick out what we like and it just is and that's like true originality yeah yeah, like you, just to keep on that, it's like trends trends change, the media that puts those trends out change, you know, like stuff gets popular and then it fades away, but like you go and find all these records, there's a common thing through all of them, even from the 60s and even further earlier out, it's like there's groove, they're talking about real things that people can relate to, and um, you know... You, you you go with the flow with whatever time you're in. Like we've we've played the game to an extent on, you know, social media and all that stuff. And, you know, like you said, the important thing is just like make something that you think is gonna stand, you know, if you bow to the trends, you might ride with the trends, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh You just gotta be authentic yeah. to yourself and people I think that there's a, a connection that people have to you. Um, if you're authentic to yourself, if you show up how you are in that moment and you don't put on a, on a front, there's like a connection that you can't get any other way. Yeah. And like, we're not trying to be anything. We're just being ourselves. And that's why it's alchematic because we have all these musicians from different backgrounds and we just come together and it kind of alchemizes into something else Yeah. that yeah. like it takes on its own life. Yeah. I'm curious also about the, the trend thing too, because I, I feel like every generation has like a version of a trend, whether it's like, you know, something in the ether of pop culture, like in the sixties, you have like the hippie movement and you had like all these bands trying to be that, but then you have, you know, some stuff that was so authentically that it just, it broke that, that barrier. It might've looked to be the part. Um, and maybe there was a certain, image yeah i guess image that kind of was being translated but the music was like transcended the like the trend because yeah. you like, think about the beatles who evolved and obviously were trying to keep up with the trends by you know ad- adopting the image and 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 the, the 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 uh the language but if you listen to the music there wasn't really anything that they were doing that somebody else was right like i mean I mean, even bands that were that they ended up having timeless hits, like the Beach Boys with with Pet Sounds, didn't they weren't doing what the Beatles were doing? Yeah, you know, and then there are people like Hendrix and jo- Janis Joplin that were so, um, they were pushing the envelope in different ways. I think, and I think that, you know, those are examples of people that used trends to get notoriety, but because there was so much st- substance beyond the trend. There was there was staying power. Yeah, like they 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 commanded their their uh their 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 piece of of that time of music, you know. Right. Totally. And I think th- so. I'm I'm 
I guess what I'm wondering is if like trends are something to ignore or are they like a tool to try and use at the risk of fading with the trend? But if the music is there, if the substance is there in the art, maybe the trend can still be useful just to get it seen. I don't know. You know, I'm curious it's, about that. It's a dangerous game, I think. You know, like if you try to, because then it seems like if you try to play to the trend, you're pandering to the trend versus like if you do something and the trend falls in line with what you're doing. Like, that's the the sweet spot, I think, yeah. of, like, riding that wave, you know? I also think that the trends work differently now than they did 50 or 60 years ago just because the yeah. way time moves now is so much quicker. Mm-hmm. And so, and trends now aren't really about anything <laughs> like no they're on, they're like on a 48 hour cycle yeah it seems like you and, know and it, they're not about anything it's like you saw like like even the hippie movement whether you agree with it or not there was a message in all of that sure right whereas now with where are the trends well it's taking a piece of ham and slapping your partner Baby in the with, face oh. with it, you know <laughs> on tiktok and then it's like oh well let's and yeah, people like Kevin Hart and The Rock doing those things on TikTok and get it just because they want to hop on the trend. The slap battle thing? Yeah, slap battle thing. And it's just like, it's like, well, is that something that people should be, the artists should be doing? But like, yeah. it seems like there's there's nothing, there's nothing there. Uh, um, there's, there's no, there's nothing there that like makes me want to like listen to what you have to say see i feel like that's a micro analysis of the trend in general like yeah there's each these little sub things happening Mm -hmm. but the whole trend is viralness like i I think if you're looking at it like that's what the trend is but that's not but but going viral i don't think is a trend that that's 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 every generation's trying to 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 get to, to get awareness on a level that just permeates culture Right, but so, uh, but I think in almost a meta way that that has been spun almost 360 on top of itself, and like that it's become self-aware of that in a sense that like it's it's a hard thing for me to articulate, but it's like it's aware of the, what curious. it's trying to do, and then it's reaching out further to do that. Like like say like the 60s, like there was a you know a a radicalized kind of peace movement and this and that, and they wanted it to be known. But they, but it was like, they're going to do it by doing the thing. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to go out and protest or write the songs. Right. Yeah, and they have an agenda. The movement and all this, that. This, thing. this thing is like, they want to be, they want it to be known, but it, there's nothing to stand on. That's they want to be, saying. they want to yeah. be known by doing whatever. So it's, it's, it's a little more self aware of where it's trying to get. Yeah. It's going viral for the sake of going viral. Right. It doesn't matter viral because there was a real message being, right. Being perpetrated. Yeah. And I, and I feel like that's kind of the, that's the trend now versus like any other era, you know, it's like maybe not as aware of itself. And I feel like that's just like the thing, you know, and there's, there's been some great funny stuff that comes out of it. There's been some cool stuff that comes out of it. Hilarious. It's it's amazing. I love TikTok and all the trends. (laughs) I try, like it all cracks me up. I'm just curious if musicians, if the, their sub or just artists in general, it's just not limited to to musicians. Everyone's got to use these platforms now, but like, I'm curious if there's actual substance in the art, if trying to use a trend to get awareness is a good thing because the substance ultimately will give you staying power. Right. Yeah. It's undeniable. Or is have the trends become so watered down that 
it's it does you it, it makes you look like you're just chasing something yeah. and therefore negates the substance whether it's there or not yeah right I, I think it i think it just relies on the quality of the artist you know like uh, yeah you know and like if that's if even if they do a trend that's you can recognize substance in that and yeah. there's yeah there's different trends too like look at scary pockets they they take songs that they might not like like normally and then make it their own yeah that's that's, that's a trend that i that i enjoy yeah there's yeah, like I'm on board i think i think it's like case by case that, because there's a lot of artists that did what like record labels told them to do just to get their foot in the door and then once they're in they did their own fucking thing you know mm -hmm. yeah so like i think it's just case by case like that's... I'll slap you with a tortilla. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that... you would do that without a video. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I've earned it plenty of times. <laughs> um, a cold one too. Not warming that up. Yeah. For real. Um, I like. Yeah, and I guess there are good trends. Like that seems to be more of a trend now, where artists are just reinterpreting right. songs and not writing as much because of the demand yes. for right. for new. Or if they are there. writing, they're writing in a way that it, it's almost like jingle writing. But you've seen some of these TikTok people that write. 10 15 30 second just like masterpieces of songs that are content wise no substance but they're great productions like they're influenced by like all the pop music of the last 30 40 years and writes just incredible music that's no different than like you know a jingle you would see somewhere it's just like it's there it's kind of in the background of culture it's not what it you know but you see it and go wow that was uh, and then the trend incredible. is use this sound yeah right. use this audio right you know right. yeah i mean like that's good for artists though because if you can get your like like people, look, ask madison ask madison, madison you, how's yeah. that go is how that's oh, yeah, going yeah. like the, the people have been using her music um for all kinds of content right. they're putting out and it's got made her go viral now she's getting all this attention which is great and yeah. she, she didn't even she didn't even try it just happened right literally she just that's like see i feel stupid being like use this sound yeah. you're having a video of me going like this like that's right like i just feel like shit's corny sometimes yeah, yeah and it's and it's a the the only way to do it authentically is just to do it like that's the thing is like you said she didn't set out to try and do it yeah she just she in her case knew that it was like a numbers game of like all right you know you just keep putting you stuff, put out. stuff out and she's yeah. like she'll record five or six covers at a time and then that blip other people found it and used it like she didn't even be like use this thing and then once yeah. that caught on then it became a well y'all are already using this thing so keep doing it kind of thing yeah and, and you you play the trend game after it's become a trend like if you're setting out to do it, it that's when it gets corny it just doesn't work we're you know? trendsetters okay yeah yeah and, and if exactly trendsetters we're the trendsetters and there's been i can't tell you how many times there's been um like new music that i don't know but then i see someone else doing like a 15 second cover on the piano of it and mm -hmm. I, and i like the cover better and i'm like that song's fucking dope and then i go and look up the original i'm like Ugh. yeah yeah but but that's like something i would do is like make a like make a pop song that everyone's listening to and do a 15 second cover and do like all these this vocal agility or whatever the fuck um i think that's a creative way to put a spit your own spin on something that's trending yeah definitely there's a lot of like creative things you could do but like there's certain shit that i mean like seeing like i don't want to shame anyone but what? I mean, you don't, you don't <laughs> like these, anybody, seeing but... like these, like old ladies doing TikTok dances in public and like shit like that, you know? Yeah. I don't know. their own. If like if they're enjoying doing it, that's yeah. Fine. I mean, like there's there's that there's no substance or like I won't take away from like dancers and the people that are like creating these great, cool things that might go viral. But like, you know, if you're just filming yourself, 
you know, I we um, you tell if they're trying to stay relevant though. There's certain yeah. people There's a like reality stars or whatever. They're trying to do the whatever's trending just to stay relevant. Right. You can yeah. you could tell like you could just tell. There was yeah. somebody at the Orlando gig we played recently, and they sat right in front of the stage, and they were by themselves, and they were on TikTok Live eating a salad, and they were just hanging out. Talking about the salad, completely ignoring us. People playing. watch people eat though, and that's oh, yeah. and that's the thing is like that's There's you know, that's something you can do. That's a trend. People are on it. I don't know how much creativity goes into that. It's like it's cool to jump on it and do the thing if people like it. I don't know what's creative about eating a salad in front of a camera. Well, I think what people are more interested in is the person's opinion on the thing, so they can know whether or not they want to do it themselves. Or sure. they like the sound of people eating, like that. Oh yeah, the, whole the thing. ASMR stuff. Like yeah. people, I've seen like videos of like dogs like drinking in the background. Yeah, <laughs> there's a couple people we know that are really into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's disgusting. I don't know, though. I, th I just think, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to any of it. I think that that's kind of, you know, the point, though, is that it's, it's just, you know, once, you, once you're in the process of, of making music and putting stuff out, it's just those are the questions, I think, that needed to be asked and that yeah. you need to – and that people need to kind of keep in the back of their mind, like, you know, how do you want to do it? And there really isn't – or right or wrong way. I think it depends yeah. on what you want out of the thing and then what just logically makes sense mm -hmm. to you to do. I was going to, there's no, I mean, if it's an outlet to be creative, it's, it's your outlet, you know, whether it's short form, long form, you know, whether you intend it to have staying power or if you want it to be a flash in the pan, like if you're using it creatively, then awesome. You know, like the music we wrote for this EP is not short form. It's not, you know, like the music itself doesn't have, like it's not, super TikTok crazy there's things we can do that support that point back to the music that isn't the music itself but that's kind of where our creative creative energy went some people's is to do the the kind of spinning arrow thing that points back to the thing that's where they get super creative and uh there's been elements of like i i everything that we've done i think stands on its own but like you know we don't we're not we enjoy TikTok, but we don't we're not the uh, maybe the top TikTok creators, so maybe not at this point, but maybe that changes it. Maybe know, so. Point. I think with like Alchematic, it's less about because sometimes that just seems like you're just like f feeding your ego. I think it's it's less about like feeding your ego and more about trying to make an impact with your with your music. Yeah, you know, yeah. saying but so. also being on the platforms where where the most people are at is a way to reach the most people. It's important to, to be on social media. It's very important to, to be on social media. That's just like, but like, you know, like you said, the tortilla thing, like. Yeah, it's a matter of like, find, again, just finding out what, what works for, for your brand, right. you yeah. know, and that's that's what the whole thing you could, is. You could have each band member go on one platform and go 100% and it's still, you know, I mean, it probably wouldn't scratch the surface, you know, it's just like, d do it how you feel feels right. Yeah. And that'll reward you, you know. And it, and you could strike gold and get lucky and explode. You never know, you know. Yeah. Just keep doing right. what feels right. I think that we're actually gonna do. Um, so Andre Satellite Frank, he does this like car series where mm -hmm. he DJs in the car. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And he's gonna like remix some of our songs, probably to make it more like poppy or marketable or dancey or whatever. That's a. And that could be like that could be better for the kids. That's a on TikTok. Well, and, that's yeah. a super. Uh, popular thing to do where right, totally. where artists are releasing singles and send them to DJs to remix them and re-release them to get more awareness to their thing. I mean, 
Dua Lipa did that with her last album. It was like she like sent out. I mean, like there was there was, I mean, hundreds of different remixes of each song. It was yeah. crazy. And it was the whole albums of just yeah other. I mean, you wouldn't even recognize. One the thing song. I do like yeah. too. Sorry, uh, to interrupt. No. Um, is like when people do duets. Yeah. On TikTok, yeah. like Teddy Swims did that, mm-hmm. and he sings this part, and then someone takes over, and then they write, they like write a part of the song. Right. Like right. I think that's cool. That's a cool way to connect. Like if if it's something like that, I think that's cool. I, I just, you know, connecting with people is important as well. Yeah. Again, that and that's why, and that's a trend. That's like that's a cool one to hop on right. for artists. That's yeah. not like super gimmicky and super cool. like look at yeah, it's a look at me. It's it's it really is about trying to connect and put yourself out there you know and that's what i think the most if the platform social media and all the hate that it gets from people is understandable but there really is a positive side of it as well if you can keep away from all the distraction shit you know it really is like a mental game on your part you like on the individual's part because like it is i mean we've talked about this at least a few times but you you get out of it what you put into it and if it's something that's purely just feeding creativity and a place for you to find creative stuff, that's what you'll get out of it. And if you, you know, put a lot of negativity into it, that's what's going to come back. It's, it can be super toxic, but it can also be great for what you're doing. You know? Yeah. None of it can be consume what you do, but it, you know, I haven't had the negative experience that some people have had with it. And I feel like that's cause of what I choose to consume on there is like stuff that makes me want to put it down and then go do the thing. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of the hate comes from people that don't understand it because they don't use it. Right. All they do is they just look at, they look at the state of society and they're like, Oh, well the, the one they point to one aspect of it. Like, well, it's, it's social media. It's the cell phones and social media. It's like, dude. Okay. I mean like every, generation has something that served as a, as a distraction it used to be when i was growing up it was like television was a distraction and now you're hearing gen people of the gen x generation talking about well you know the problem with kids today is they don't watch television anymore now it's like <laughs> and they're not getting any nice. culture there's no there's no culture happening because there's no television happening i've anymore. never heard of that before oh yeah it's, it's out there it's, it's all the time the dude. Te- that's a problem yeah it's because that's what's so hilarious about it is that like growing up like if you if you were you know a gen xer or even like a like a millennial of like my of like of like my age people would always complain well the kids are too like the boomers are always complaining about the kids are too into the television they're not going outside they're not interacting anymore they're not watching enough now they're not watching enough because they're on the phones and they're not getting the culture and the substance that that traditional television shows had to offer and like the the commentary on society right and there is something to that but that's just the point though is that the all previous generations don't understand the new technology and therefore are shitting on it rather than trying to understand like where where can the useful shit come from television had plenty of garbage on it okay at all states of existence (laughs) (laughs) but like it but there was also a lot of good information on there there were there were there were culture shifting shows yeah like uh, ancient aliens and (laughs) pawn stars and all those really 
cultural moments, you know. Talking about like, you know, like cheers. Flavor of love. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, we're on the same page. (laughs) Opposite ends of the spectrum, but same page. (laughs) Yeah. But like, you know, you you think about like cheers and later on Seinfeld and and friends. And like, there were like these, there were like these commentaries on social dynamics in society, right? And there was value in that because people would take this and bring it to their everyday life. It has that Mm -hmm. kind of effect. Um, and then, and nowadays social media can offer the same thing. Yeah. And I think that generations like millennials and Gen Z have a much better understanding on how to navigate these things because we grew up with it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, granted, we didn't have TikTok growing up, but we, but, but social media was introduced when I was in high school. We had MySpace and then we had Facebook and then we had Instagram, Twitter. Top eight. And yeah, top eight, (laughs) which don't get me started on the drama that that would fucking go. Yeah. What happened with that? She's like, wait, why'd you take me off your top eight? It's like, dude, I haven't talked to you in two weeks. We're not, you're not my top eight anymore. Fuck yeah. you. Oh my God. I had the best songs when you go on my MySpace. Oh yeah. That was, for those who don't know, like MySpace, you had, you could put music on the landing page. You could, you can make it, you could customize it with all kinds of Code, colors. And, like you were, we were coding our yeah, MySpace. Yeah. It was like a, it was, it was like your own personal website. You can mm-hmm. have like, you had your top eight, which is like all your, like your top eight friends. And then because it became so dramatic, you can then shift it to your top 16. Yeah. Yeah. That was right. Crazy. So, and then, and, and then you had like your, your MySpace wall, which you could come, you could post on. And that was public to all your followers and all your friends and stuff. Yeah. And then, Facebook came along and just kind of shift and was you know more accessible for people. Anyways, yeah, I love that you could poke people. MySpace ain't got nothing on the poke button, dude. That was so obnoxious. I used to hate that. Oh yeah, Facebook. what are you talking about? That was great. But either way, my point being is that we grew up with social media and and the the dynamic that it that that it that it um, created in social settings, schools, mm-hmm. uh, work, and all that, and now Instagram. Uh, even though Instagram came out when uh, we were still pretty young, but like TikTok is the newer thing and it's, it's different, but I mean, I don't know. I think there's plenty of stuff on there that I, that I find to be useful as, as an yeah. artist. I can see how people are creating new content, you know, creative things that are, that maybe I didn't think about, you know, from a visual and video side of it to yeah. the music side of it. Uh, and you know, and there is information out there. You gotta, you gotta go through some bullshit. You gotta but. sift through it, but it, it, I agree to all that. It's out there. Yeah. You know? And it's fucking hilarious too. I love it. I don't really time. understand, uh, Twitter or threads. Threads is bullshit and that need, that can just go away. Yeah. Twitter is basically a combination of Facebook and Instagram where you take your, you take text and you just put it in a town square like Instagram, like Instagram right. is like a town square, but for for uh, now video, but mostly f- used to be for photographs. Yeah, and then uh, so it just took the principle of Instagram yes. and applied Facebook logic to it, basically. Just good on them, you know. Totally. Yeah. I I don't I don't I, I don't really fuck with I guess X now is what it's called. I don't really fuck yeah, with it. Same. I just don't really have any. Never never. I just really share called. what I put on Instagram on X. I feel like it's it's a cesspool of conspiracy theories and yeah. crazy politics, and I just don't really care. Yeah, anymore. I don't really involve myself yeah. in yeah. fighting with people online. Yeah, not a fan. Um. Anyways, uh, you guys want to hit some unpopular opinions? Always. Let's fucking do it. You guys got uh, Caleb. Did Chris tell you about the unpopular opinion? Dude, I didn't tell him where we were filming this. Uh, what are you yeah, talking? I, he he didn't even let me in the door. He made me walk around the back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well, we do a segment called Unpopular Opinions where we go around, we state something that's pretty unpopular. It can be about whatever you want. We try and keep politics and religion out of it, though. Uh, but whatever you want, honestly. Uh, so if you, 
if you weren't informed and you don't have one off the top of your head, we can go around us first. Or I've got one right now. He's a pretty um, opinionated guy. <laughs> what you got? I don't get the hype of vinyls. And I am the youngest person in this room, yeah. but at a certain point, you're the fidelity of the music, you're losing it over time with the dust and dirt and everything. I get that's a characteristic people like, but I just don't understand vinyls. I've never purchased one uh, for myself at least. So, and I'm only saying this because Chris had something on his Instagram today. So, oh, nice. I did. I did hit the record shop today. Actually, yeah. Um, uh, I agree with you from that standpoint. I think that it ends up being more work to listen to music, especially because. You know, most of us grew up uh, or streaming came around pretty early on. So you can just put it on and just never have to think about it again. Just leave it rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there is a part of listening to vinyls where you have to flip the record and it's, you know, but the flip side to that, no pun intended. Uh, Get out. <laughs> um, is that there is something about being um, present while listening and the experience of interacting with the with the experience, I Definitely guess, the, right? The yeah. tangible, the you know, flipping the record, yeah. and then you just, and you just have to be mindful of what of where you're at within the record, and then it makes you listen more. And then furthermore, the thing that everybody talks about is just the experience of opening the vinyl, the artwork, and seeing the list of producers and engineers and musicians, everyone that was kind of involved in that. There was a time where even just like your average fan of music could tell you who produced a record yeah whereas nowadays it's just gone away yeah right longest google search to find something yeah like, who worked on this and then it's you 60 go people to page right. two of google sometimes yeah. it's crazy well yeah. also uh, i think back in the day or not even too long ago like people would know bodies of work rather than just singles or songs yeah. right and they would know everything about the body of work and it would all it'd be like a story the music was written for the experience of a vinyl like there was a yeah. there was a way that you you know an order you put the songs which i think people still kind of adhere to to a point yeah. but you know if you're making it for an album but like you know i think that they're what they're i i definitely think it's a more um three-dimensional experience with a vinyl that it is i was gonna say i i totally it's not a fidelity thing you know I, like there's a couple of friends of ours that will say it is and they'll invest in that side of it and like but we've had we had brian lester on and he makes records and he even point blank was like yeah that's not really what records is it is the experience that like i went i i went over to tiger records today um part of it is just seeing what's there yeah, that day you know what i mean records, like yeah. if you don't just order them online like it's part of the hunt like today i snagged oscar peterson larry carlton roy buchanan the police um two west montgomery records all just because they had it there it's less than 30 bucks and it's like a collector thing too you're like oh cool and then just to double down it is like the experience of like putting it on listening to it like I, I have a record player at the house. I just put them on if I'm doing stuff in the house. Yeah. Like if I'm cooking, laundry, whatever. Like if it's a house activity, that's where I put music on. Cause like, you're in a headspace of whatever that record is. That's that's what it's useful for. It's not. I can go find higher fidelity. And then it gets anywhere. scratched, and then you gotta flip it. Yep. <laughs> it's a well, whole that, thing. Yeah. And then you wear them. Then you like one. Then you wear it out, and you gotta find another one. And I respect so. DJs who know how to. Uh, Scratch. Yeah. yeah, like who started on vinyls rather than these 12-year-olds that 
Okay, here we go. Looking at you, satellite friend. Just, no. <laughs> just messing. Um, but yeah, I I have a record player and a, and a collection, and I have to say that I only listen to it once in a while because yeah. a lot of them are scratched. Sometimes I want to listen to a particular song; it's hard yeah. to find, and yeah. and then I gotta flip it you know, and go upstairs and yeah, yeah. I'd say I'll just make a playlist. Yeah, yeah. I'd say five percent of my listening is vinyl. Yeah, a- a- generously. That you know? being said, though. Um, vinyl is at an all-time high right now as far as sales go. Not all-time, but it's made a significant spike. Oh yeah, you yeah. go to the hipster uh, coffee shops; they bring people bring their vinyl players. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 th- I think it's cool. I think there's something about the vintage side of it. I think, I think that there is. Again, it's a more three-dimensional experience. I think it gives a listener more. It, it's it, it makes them buy into the thing more. Because there's 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 levels to it. It's not just pressing play on your phone and forgetting about it and just listen. It's yeah. like you have to open it up. You see the artwork. You read the notes in there and all the all the credits. And then you put it on the player. You take the needle. You put it on the thing. And then you forget about it. Well, no, <laughs> because you can't because the music stops and you have to flip it. Right. So it's like so you have to be mindful when you're listening to it if you want to keep the experience going. Right. Yeah. That being said. I'm with you, Caleb. But I'm not really gonna like do. I'm not yes. gonna listen to it all the time myself. <laughs> you know, you can't give him anything. I'm gonna hear about that for three weeks now, dude. I, I do. You I just d- wasted a bunch of money on records. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I appreciate yeah. the. I appreciate like like the experience. So, and I do yeah. like to engage in it from time to time. But it's not my and my it's go-to a way- method of listening. Yeah, and it's you find. I like. I liked like the thing I found today. Like I got, I picked up the Roy Buchanan album, and I found that Stanley Clark playing on it, Will Lee, all these cats. And I'm huge fans of those guys. Had no clue they even knew who this guy was. Yeah. So I spent two dollars to find that out, and that was worth it for no, me. That's that's awesome though. That was great. That's great. That's super cool. Good unpopular opinion. I like. It. I do think though <laughs> that you should listen to the album even if you're not using the vinyl. I, I don't. I'm not. I dislike the shuffle style yeah, of music. Totally. Yeah. Me personally, just because like I can't even keep up with the names, or if I'm just listening on shuffle, I'm like, I like this. Don't know what this is. Won't remember. Yeah. You can save it and whatnot, but there's no better way than hearing the transitions that were intended on the album and going straight through and and seeing the difference going through the discography and being, wow, they've elevated this much and just from fidelity or style and progression and everything. So definitely preach. Yeah, especially music that's that's in like if they're if they if they're releasing a full like 12 track record or something, there was an intention in the order of the music. If you're a pop artist releasing singles, then you're probably not paying as much attention to the order yeah. of the songs on the record. But, mm-hmm. you know, a band like, I don't know, Black Keys or something is definitely paying attention to, mm-hmm. to that stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, what you got, Chris? Um, I'll stick to my instrumental or instrument superiority vein. Um, and this... So I think whatever emotion lyrics can elicit from people i think instrumentation and arrangement can elicit an equal emotion for pretty much everything lyrically um i am i won't say that it's done maybe as often but i do think that like any like up uh, it can match that like emotional intelligence that like uh, a, a well done lyric thing it can take you to the same place i Go ahead. No, no, that's it. That's it. I would agree with you, but I think it's all context based. Like it's got like the, if there are plenty of people 
that just automatically tune out if there's no lyrics. Oh, totally. And I think you have to have, I think you have to know what you're listening for. But some, like you know, like myself and pe- like you and people like you know, instrumentalists can. It's that's who can find like those same places. Like I know for me, well placed lyrics and like something that like kind of takes it to the same place can go there. And I think most most musicians or people would probably say the same thing, but like general public, they would be like, no, dude, it's lyrics or like what tell you the story and make you sad and happy and this and that. But I, I just, you know, the music tells that story right along with it parallel. Yeah, I mean, I th- that was probably the case before lyrics became a big thing. Like if you listen to like old classical mm-hmm. music and stuff where there were no lyrics, but there was definitely, at least in a lot of it, but there was definitely... Um, there's definitely like a, like a journey that you're being taken on, yeah. You know, emotionally, I think, and then even for me, as someone who writes lyrics and is a fan of lyrical music, I can definitely be hit just as hard emotionally on something that doesn't have that. You know, like an example is that that Mike Stern tune, "Wishing Well." Yeah. That tune, the first time I heard it, it like almost brought me to tears. You know, it was, just, it was such a beautiful melody, and like you really kind of get where his head was at when he was writing it mm-hmm. um and you know but conversely you know if, if i listen to when i listen to andre 3000 yeah. you know like on some of the earlier outcast stuff i mean dude that just like blows my mind the yeah, way it was able to do you in such a specific part of your you know consciousness you know yeah I, I i'm i'm such a fan of wordplay also sure. like when it's done right like, what was the, the lyric you told me earlier from that Nas tune? Um, he said, they came here to do drugs, but you came to sing. Yeah, and obviously you got to hear you in, gotta hear the context, like, the context uh-huh. but, like, it's, it's, uh, it's basically just I know just about, I can. Yeah, yeah. It's just, and, like, the context is basically just saying, like, we're kind of all here in the same place, but you got to know, you got to realize the difference between between what you're doing, what they're doing. Like, yeah. don't get caught up. Don't get caught up in the bullshit, you know? Nice. And yeah. it's just, and, and it was it's such a simple line, mm-hmm. but it's so, like, Obviously, on the it nose. resonates with us. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're fucking singers, and, like, people are always doing drugs around us, and yeah. you got to, like, stay, you know stable yeah. um it's kind of funny that that was your unpopular opinion because <laughs> oh mine was that i think that emotional reaction to music or i don't know if reaction is the word but you'll get what i'm saying emotional reaction to music is more important than music theory yeah i'd, I'd agree with that too oh okay that's surprising <laughs> yeah you people think that like you know theory i mean like theory is a tool to like get to that place you know what i mean like it's like or it can help you well, find a way to get that happening. place. I think it's just more of a way of understanding what's like the thing that's happening. I I don't know if it's so. I I mean I not, I know not from, from not from an emotional response. Like obviously not like to to understand what's happening neurologically that's giving you the emotion, but just yeah. more so like mus- musically speaking. Okay, well I'm listening to this thing and I'm having a, a, an emotional reaction to it. Not what's that emotional reaction, but what's happening in the music. Yeah. You know what I mean? To explain the emotional reaction. That's what theory, I think, is it's best for. I think it goes a step further to me. Is like there's, especially when it comes to writing, like, yeah, it's used to explain all this stuff. But it also, like, when in the creative process, it, like, shows you different places you can go. Totally. Like, it's totally. It's, it's not, like, it's using a tool. it. It's a tool. And, it's, like, so, like... We can go to this, like, I know if I get to, if I'm writing a progression and I get to this place, I like, I get to this chord, I can go, 
maybe here, maybe here, maybe here. And each of those have a different feeling and intent. And like that matters to go with the song. So I've got different like color palettes to choose from on my paintbrush. Definitely. But you pick the one that emotionally fits the song and the lyrics the best. It's like, it's, it's a tool only to get to that place. And then maybe none of those work. Then you go to a completely different place that doesn't make sense or doesn't have the, the collegiate backing. You know what I mean? But like you, but you can, you can analyze it and go, well, I know that it doesn't make sense, but that's why it fits so well or something like that. Yeah. I, I, but, but how it hits you and why it hits you is important. I just like knowing what it is. No, I think that I, because I've spent the time to make that a thing. I so think like, musicians should understand what's happening. And I think that at a point that you get stuck in a writing scenario, I think it's a good thing to, to be able to like call on as a tool. Yeah. But also, like, and I'll speak for myself when I'm writing, I try not to jump to that first. Yeah. And I usually won't because it's not instinctively, like I didn't grow up learning that stuff. So instinctively yeah. it's not where I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try and hear the idea first. And I'll even take time if I'm like stuck, if I'm having a block to just make myself listen to like, what do I want to hear happen next, Yeah. right? And then I'll go with that. If, I'm, if I've been sitting on something for a month, I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do here. Then I'll start to think about, okay, what are your options then? Yeah. And then you start to look at it as a map, a roadmap and say, okay, well I can take this route, this route, this route, or this route. Yeah. Like what, and then you try the things out and see what sounds good to you, you know, but I try to make that because I do think, and look at some people have, uh, some people use theory as their basis for writing everything yeah. and it becomes so natural to them. They can make it emotional and that's fine. I find that for me, when I take that approach, it loses the emotional element to it because it's mm -hmm. not what comes natural to me. Yeah. Right. So I also just think, again, it's a, it's a context thing. Right. And that's why, and like, that's, that's why it works for me is cause like it does, it is a natural thing for me, but I also spent way too many years and way too many dollars to make that a thing you yeah. know but it is it is like an instinctive part of my like both playing and this and that is like it, because it's not there's not a lot of thought that goes into it it's just like a real time like thought analysis type thing right that leads to the thing but at the end of the day it is like it is like how it serves the song or the thing the most is the most important you know like not necessarily the hippest thing and sometimes like those things are together like Sometimes the hippest thing is the thing that makes it emotional. Sometimes that's what's going to distract and take away from the most yeah. from the thing. And that was so much part of the record too. Is like we we had so many of those moments. Yeah. And like, that's but why I said it. Yeah, I totally. Thought, I thought, totally. I thought you were going to disagree. No, but we got. To, but like, that's the thing about the growth of this record is like we we came to that place. You know, by the end of it, you know, is like it definitely didn't start that way. <laughs> like it almost came to blows like five or six times of just like. That's too much shit happening right here, well, dude. It's like subjective and it depends on the listener too. So yeah. like musicians might get hype, but to like, you want everyone to like your shit. Yeah. You want everyone to know about your music. The regular listeners going to be like, that shit's just noodling. You guys yeah. are like fucking, I'm overstimulated. That's too noty. Like I'd rather have a four chord song with someone fucking wailing about how their heart is broken or whatever yeah. the case is. Like yeah. being a dancer and like a soul lover I love music from the heart and the soul, not the head. Yeah. I, I think it's pointless if it's just like from the head. Yeah. Like just like theory, like it's like a fucking like you just want to like it's like ego. It's like it's like a musician like uh having a big ego just trying to 
I don't know. It just it yeah. sounds like it, it doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know. I, I, it's all it's all contextual for it's people. All contextual. Because like I I like I point to jazz and jazz is such a heartfelt like music thing, but it is dense. You yeah, know, like definitely the theory comes along with it. But I there's so much of that music that is like emotional, even right. though it's technical, and it it is like finding that balance of like it. Yeah. It's it's got to be emotional for. Like it has to have emotional resonance with the creator, and that'll find resonance with the li- with the listener. Because yeah. like people will resonate. Like if it rings true with who made it, that's really the only to me that's the important thing. It'll find an audience. Well, somebody trans- else. Exa- yeah, 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 exactly. That's transformative. And yeah. um, I will say that like when I started learning theory and I started realizing what the fuck was going on in some songs, I was blown away too. Like Hide yeah. Coyote when I when, when I actually like okay, I always liked. Nakamura or the first song or whatever but like the more recent album uh now I know what's happening <laughs> I'm yeah. like oh shit modulation oh shit the synths yeah and and so I geek out too I think I think it's also like how much you know musically uh, my friends back home who don't know anything about music they're not going to be into half the music that I'm into you know yeah well I think that they find those things unless it resonates with them emotionally they're not going to find those things to be impressive now if that thing is something that they naturally connect to right then they will find it impressive but not because it's a weird modulation or they t- or they did this hip you know yeah. transit or this hip kind of transition to get to this chord here it's they're just they just hear it and it sounds amazing to right. them right yeah. and i think that's the point that you know people should try and get to but again there are, there are some musicians that came up with in in a world that was very collegiate you know they they took lessons from early on they did the high school band they went to college and they studied music and the only way that they write is from the head it doesn't mean that it's void of emotion they might have an emotional connection to it mm. i'm sure that they do if they're writing but like the way their brain makes sense of it is like here are my options this is what i want to do and then mm. conversely and all but they can also hear it because their ears are so developed that those ideas are just what they hear naturally right. there's yeah. there, it's not like it's it's i don't think that it's necessarily there are some people that do write from a place of ego that are just trying to impress people i don't think it's fair to put that on to everybody because i think that there are people whose head and and ears are so intertwined yeah. that there is no separation. It's like I hear this idea. This is what when I when I do. I also know what's happening at the same time that right. I'm hearing it. You know. Yeah. And what? And yeah. Go ahead. I think that as writers too, I I just think that the creator and the writers have to have intent while writing it. Mm-hmm. Like, like what's your intention? Yeah. But, uh, do you want to sell records? Do you want people to be able to sing the solos back like Stevie Wonder? Like everyone knew the solos and sang the solos back, but it, they were also like really complex. Mm-hmm. Or uh, how do you want people to feel? How do you feel? Like I think there has to be intention. Do you want to sell records? You got to make it under five minutes long or like all this shit. So yeah. I just think it's all about intention of what you want to do. Definitely. Um, yeah. There's so much nuance to it. I tend to like a certain type of music where it's like I just love soul soul music. You already know I like certain type of singers and I'm kind of picky, but I'm the first one to say, "Oh, that's just not my thing. That's just not my thing. That's just not my yeah. thing." But at least at least I know myself, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, totally. It's a good one. Yeah, it's a very good one. Uh, let's see what my I was going to say something totally not related to music. <laughs> I was going to say something about food, but that's my other passion, eating. 
Eating in dogs. Oh, uh, okay. Here's here's a here's a trend that I really don't like. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> musicians do. Anton's ranton corner. <laughs> Anton ranton. Um, since we we were on the topic of trends, when bands use like like they post a video of themselves playing, and they say if if you know such and such and such and such band had a baby. You know what I mean? And oh, then, like as they're like one liner, the elevator pitch, right? Yeah. They, but in every single indie musician book, they say to do that, I and hate they that say so much. for you to put um, other bands that that inspire you in your website, so when people search it on Google, they they could find you. That's fine. That doesn't bother me. Like if you want to get pe- people say, oh, well, we were inspired by so and so, but like like on your website, but on a, on a TikTok video, it's like, oh, what if uh, what if Black Keys. Uh, had a baby with Nas I, or something. I heard I heard like, one like that. It's like the Black Keys punched Janis Joplin and like they come up <laughs> with creative shit to yeah. make you remember. Yeah, I just, I, you know, it's like, it's like if Greta Van Fleet was like, w- like put it on, a, on their TikTok, like if Led Zeppelin existed in the 2000s, it's like, yeah. I don't want right, to compare my It's too on the nose. Too, yeah, it's, it's too on the nose. Like let people come to their own conclusion. Think of something yeah. else to say yeah. to yeah. you. You want people to have that. I don't know. Conversely, I feel like I'm really good at it when I do it. I do that to like introduce people to like something they might not have heard. That's fine. Do that. Like, yeah. like introduce somebody else's music yeah. that way. Or or even like if 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 you're if you're talking about your own music, you uh-huh. can do it. On your website in a bio, you want to say who you're influenced by. All totally fair, but don't give me a clip of your original content and then put somebody else's name on it yeah. just to get attention. So the minute, so that everything else is fine, but the minute you personify it to get on a trend, that's where we draw the line. I just don't, yeah, because it, because the rest of it's coming from a real place where you're saying like. But is that just like a video interpretation of their bio? You know what I mean? Like, is that like just not a way to do the same thing in a different medium? Yeah, but it's but like it's people's first introduction to you a lot of the time. Right, or, so it's a bio usually. Followers, yeah, but uh, it's but, first thing on the website. But if, but a bio that says, "Hey, we are su- we are such and such band," you know, uh, we pull influences from Zeppelin, from from whatever, yeah, you know, and then because this this is what we were inspired by, this and that, whatever. But like on a video, I to me, it's the biggest turnoff when I see somebody say, "If Yellow Card and and fucking you know." Yeah, it's just yeah, Skinner. Yes, Skinner. I just, I it's just unoriginal to me, and I don't want to listen to your music. Just there's something about about using somebody else's name to grab it to grab attention that makes me think that whatever it is you're doing isn't that good. And I'm I could be totally wrong about that. Maybe it's amazing music. I just don't like that method of, of advertising I agree, I agree with you because so, it's so crazy i just i'm having such a hard time separating that from the other stuff that does it because because there's context the other way this way I there's guess. like no it's like you're saying oh i like but the context is the music and then you listen to it and go oh they're right or they're just bad at it i don't think about that band anymore now i'm thinking about the other bands <laughs> right yeah. like so if it was done well would it bother you as much as if it was a poor job like this is not what these two would have sounded like give me an example 
Oh, I don't know. What do you mean if it was done well? Okay, so I just like mean, I mean, accurate. like if it if it was accurate. No, because a lot of times it is accurate. It's it, it, it's it's not about whether it's or not it's accurate. It, like it it's, puts it in a box for you. Yeah, I just I you don't I just, pigeonhole it. I see the names. And I'm like, oh, so you're just trying. Like it okay. sounds like this is what you're trying to be like. It doesn't. Yeah, but sound that's like, not fair though, because you don't know. Like they. You're like, right. I don't, and that's why it's a bad pitch. Yeah. Because you're making me think something that might not be true. But that's how your brain works, though. You know and what I mean? I, I see I'm that. I'm the only person out there. That's thinking sure, but if I see like let's say I look at like Coulter Wall, and it's like I see. It's like Merle Haggard and like maybe someone modern like um, fucking uh, Brad Paisley or something had a baby. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, those are two vastly different influences, but they're both dope. Let me check that out. And then I check out. I'm like, yo, this is different. I hear influence, but I'm now a fan of this thing because I can I can hear. I almost said historical, con- but you can hear the context of where that music came from. Yeah, it just it, it just kind of sounds like disingenuous if you compare yourself to someone else. Like, just be yourself. I yeah, uh, like exactly. on Facebook they have an influence uh, like column. Yeah, and I, I put a bunch of our influences. Yeah, that's fine. But in, in all those indie books, they said to do something like I that, know. and they have they have examples. And I had a hard time even come up coming up sure. with one. What yeah. would you? Could you think of one for Alchematic? I couldn't. And but then I was like, fuck yeah, we're original. Like like fuck that. I don't want to compare ourselves. And I know people want to pigeonhole you for marketing. They want to tell you to be a certain genre and all this shit. But why put yourself in a, in a box? Like genre barricades are for pussies. <laughs> they're meant, clip they're, it. Meant, they're meant to be broken. And that's the name of the episode, guys. <laughs> um, no, I look at. I just I agree, like I agree with you. I think that you should try, try to be as authentic as possible. And I just think that there's something about it that th- there. It, to me, it comes off as like you're you're just trying to, to get on a trend uh for for the sake of getting on a trend um you're trying to to pitch another band by get to get attention to your band it comes off as like not very confident and just you know like the, oh guys this is what we have to do kind of thing it could be kind of funny though if they do it right yeah i just don't buy it you know what I mean? I, I just, feel you. Look, and it, that's all. That's it all works. Good. It's it, it's it's why it's unpopular because people do it because it works. Well, right? I, I don't think it. I don't think it doesn't work for everybody. But like, there's sometimes when I see it, I'm like, yo, you've hit it on the head. That's it works that's in true. the Google search. Yeah, yeah, and like, but there's other times where I can totally see where that's the play, and they're just like saying it's a mashup of a couple things. But I almost think they wrote it to be those to be that. And I like I have that's, less of again. That's a problem for that, me. No, and I agree that's a problem. But I I don't mind if someone like wrote something that is in touch with what an inspiration would have been, and then they just acknowledge that inspiration. It doesn't have to be mainstream. It could. It doesn't have to be. That doesn't bother me as much. But I mean, I I see where you're coming from. If so, if it's case it's case by case. I'll just say that. I when, guess if whenever I see somebody on TikTok. It's usually it's a TikTok trend, really, and probably. Oh, I've Instagram seen that most, actually today. Whenever I see, uh, if if I if I see, uh, oh, what it, what what it would sound like if Brad Paisley met, uh, was a hardcore band. And they have. I just fucking band. see you later. Yeah. I have zero interest in what you what you're putting out now. Yeah. It just it just does that to me. It's not even the. the I've just picked random things. It, what grind your it's, gears? <laughs> it's just one of those things where I'm I I I I just. I instantly just don't buy in. It just it's a huge foot off for me. I get that's unpopular. It's a trend that seems to be working. People do it. Don't let me catch you doing it then. I definitely won't be doing I'm it. Just keeping my eye like, out. I have, extra hard now. I have there's just there are a lot of, we we discussed several trends that I'm that I think are good trends to be right. doing. That's one that I just it's just it's cringy. That's what it is is it? It's cringy to me. 
Um, but anyways, uh, that's so that. when you put out the new acoustic EP, you're not going to put out if side hustle sounded like a singer songwriter. <laughs> definitely not. Cause it's definitely doesn't sound anything like side if, hustle if music. Dispatch and Creed but, had a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for the Creed reference. Nice. Nailed that. I don't like what's happening. With arms wide open. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't sound like Creed. I can see the dispatch reference. <laughs> if Chris D'Elia played sad boy music. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. There you go. You can use that for your marketing. Except no wait, You can't cause you don't like that stuff. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this it's up. It's sloth and a reptilian. <laughs> this is fun, guys. Glad we got to do this. Um, Rant on with make it. Sure you, okay, make sure you check out the new Alchematic record. Walk uh, away, baby. Walk away, available on all platforms now. Uh, follow the, what's the Instagram and the website and all that? At Alchematic Band, alchematicband.com. Awesome, and Caleb, thank you for being with us thank today. You, Caleb. Really appreciate it and enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace.